0: Hello to everyone. I hope everyone is doing well and have been blessed of the Lord with His presence and Spirit. We're thankful for another opportunity to be able to look into and study the Word and thankful for each of you that choose to take your, no doubt, valuable time and listen to us. And we hope that through the Lord we can be a benefit to you. We're in John chapter 3 and we looked last time At Jesus' reply to Nicodemus, uh, Jesus informed him, You must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom. And Nicodemus said, Can I enter into my mother's womb a second time? Um, Jesus, of course, not speaking of the natural death, but natural-minded man. That's the way he thinks. And so Jesus responds and speaks of being born of the water and the Spirit. And the separation of that spiritual man and the fleshly man and Nicodemus we come down to verse nine, and he doesn't still doesn't fully understand because with the natural mind man cannot receive the things a king uh, of the kingdom of God, man is caught up in a natural world with a worldly and natural mind and that's not a knock against anybody that's the way all of mankind is and he can't see uh, spiritually except the Holy Ghost be there to open his eyes and guide him and that's the case for all of mankind so Nicodemus says how can these things be he needs further explanation And, you know, he doesn't quit. He continues to seek. And if you think about this, in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16, uh, Nicodemus says in verse 9, how can these things be? So Jesus is again going to go back into a response. In Isaiah 42, verse number 16, he says, and I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them, and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them, and not forsake them. So what Jesus is telling him is something he's never knew. He's familiar with religion, and Jesus' response to his Questioning the second time, in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Nicodemus was a religious man. Nicodemus was, as we've spoken in the first two studies, on the Sanhedrin court and in authority in Israel, but he did not have a spiritual mindset, nor the ability to comprehend, spiritual things and as Jesus begins speaking of being born again that's a way that Nicodemus has never known before and speaking of a spiritual birth that's a realm that Nicodemus has never seen before so that God here is guiding this man Nicodemus who is spiritually blind in a way that he's never been able to see or never been on before. They always thought that their works, that their ceremonies, and that their sacrifices were good enough to produce them righteousness, to be in a right state with God. And now this man, Jesus, is saying, look, you've got to be born again. All that you've believed previous." is incorrect, you're going to have to have a spiritual rebirth. And he's unable to comprehend what a spiritual rebirth is. Art thou a master, an instructor in Israel, and know not these things. You know, it's a sad thing when the masters, the instructors, do not know the things of God. Here was a man, and he's not the only one. The entire Sanhedrin court, the high priest in this day, they all reject Jesus and they all desire Him to be crucified. None of those people are able to see or understand the things of the kingdom of God. And so what about all of the folks that are looking towards these people for instruction and for help? Uh, these people, Nicodemus, we'll just use him instead of the whole court as an example, but know that Nicodemus was not the only one. What hope do these people have that are looking to Nicodemus for guidance and leadership and for help that's looking towards his wisdom and understanding to guide their life and their spiritual life, and their eternal part, and their righteousness with God. They're looking to Him for explanation and for help, and yet He is unable to see Himself. Well, if Nicodemus can't see, He's not helping Himself. How can He help someone else? It's really a pitiful situation but it's a situation that we see in our day today that men that are leading churches, men that are in pulpits, men that are in Sunday school classrooms, men that are deacons, They have these places of responsibility. They're looked up to and looked at as instructors and people that can guide. But the truth is, they do not have a spiritual understanding of the Word of God. Neither do they know what it truly means to be born again. They are blinded by their own thoughts and by their own thinking, and they know nothing about what Jesus was preaching. Now all of those that are going to follow the leadership of the Sanhedrin are going to reject Jesus and say crucify Him. So not only are these people lost, but the whole crowd that's looking up to them, following their leadership, they're going to wind up lost as well and you know you see that in churches physical churches but in families as well that grandma and grandpa and mom and dad and these people that are looked up to by the younger generations, that what they believe and what they think is completely and totally off of the Scripture, and the children that are looking to them to guidance are led astray as a result of the error of the leaders. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 16, the ancient, verse 15, the ancient and honorable, he that is the head, And the prophet that teacheth lies, he is the tale. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. The end of these that are following this incorrect doctrine and thinking, the end of them is to be destroyed. And these men here, Nicodemus, who thought he was legitimately helping people, and I I want you to realize that, Nicodemus was not an evil man seeking the destruction of people's lives and of their souls. He was a, 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 more than likely a good human being who wanted to help people to know God. But Nicodemus did not know God. He was blind to the spiritual side of the Word of God. He was blind to who Jesus was. And he was unable to help those people. So that the best he could do was lead them further into destruction. And that's what we see today. I I do realize there are men that are in it for themselves and themselves alone. There are people that are in it for what they can gain out of it. But there are those that have complete good intentions and that desire to be a help, but the blindness of their heart and of their mind prevents them from being any real benefit to anybody. So the, the leaders that are astray and the people following them, they're destroyed as a result. We see this in Jesus' own words in Matthew Matthew chapter 15 and verse 14. Jesus says, Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So, know this. If what we follow, if the person that we look up to for instruction and guidance and leadership, if they're blind, they're going to the ditch. And if I'm following behind their instruction and leadership, I'm going into the ditch with them. What a terrible, terrible shape that people are in today being led astray by those that they hold in high regard and have high opinions of. Now, I realize there's people all over the world that listen, but I say in the area of the world that we live in, there are men that are highly regarded by a multitude of people in our world, but what they speak out of their mouth is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and their doctrine is not correct, and they're leading people into destruction away from the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 9 verse 34 They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. So this this is the man that was born blind. Jesus gives him his sight. He heals his eyes. And the man can now see. And he's being questioned and interrogated by the Sanhedrin court, the Pharisees and the scribes and the leaders of the people. And he says, it's an amazing thing here that here's a man that restored my sight and I was born blind. That's never been heard of in our world before. And here this man's done it. We know that if he's able to do this, he's got to be from God. And their response, now again, the leaders of the people, they cast this man out and said, Who do you think you are to teach us anything? So that even the leaders, how blind that they are. And Jesus Jesus is not surprised by his blindness here. But he's calling attention to the fact, You're a master of Israel, and you don't know these things. What shape that people are in. <clears throat> that they're following along with people that do not understand the Word of God and the things of the Spirit. And so in verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. So Jesus says, I'm testifying. I am giving testimony. I am uh, acting as a witness. And what's he a witness? Or what is he giving testimony of? What he's seen and what he knows. You know, if the court is going to call a witness to the stand, they don't want somebody to make up some big piece of fiction and tell a tale that they have generated and pictured in their mind they're calling the witness to come and give testimony of what they've seen what they've heard and what they know to be the facts and so Jesus is saying I'm a witness and the word receive not our witness that second word that means evidence given I'm giving testimony of what I know what I've seen and what I've heard but you won't receive our evidence. Now, what a shame it is if the prosecutor has got evidence of the facts and he's got proof that what he's saying is true and yet nobody believes what the man is saying. Jesus has got evidence and we could go over all of the evidence that He gave in His works and in His power. But God bore witness to the work that Jesus was doing, and Jesus was testifying of the word of God. He was telling us and revealing who God was. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 4, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, A leader and commander to the people. Jesus came to be the leader and the guide and the witness to the people. No man, we read in John chapter 1, no man has seen God at any time. Nobody has had first hand account of God and of who God was. But the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Jesus came bearing witness, giving testimony. He came giving evidence of who God was, of what God's righteous standard was, of the Word of God, of the will of God, and the plan of God. And yet, man... And the masters of Israel held to the tradition and the opinion of man rather than hear the very witness that God gave through His Son Jesus Christ. Now what hope is there of me ever knowing God if I won't receive the evidence that God gave of who He is? There's no hope. I'm going to believe a lie. I'm going to believe something that is not true if that's the condition that I'm continually found in. In Matthew chapter 11, now who is it that's going to know God? Matthew chapter 11 verse 27, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son We'll reveal Him. That word reveal there, it means to take the cover off. So how does man come to a knowledge of God? Through the revelation that's given by the Son. Jesus came and He pulled the cover off of God to allow man to be able to see God, God's nature, God's righteousness, God's judgment. God's wrath towards sin, that he might be able to see God's long-suffering and compassion and desire to produce salvation for man. And isn't it something that God gave us a testimony and a witness and evidence of who He was in His Word and man holds to his opinion rather than hear the witness that God gave. It's an astounding thing, really, to think that God's provided us His Word and man knows more from his own thinking than God's revealed in His Word. How is that possible? God reveals, but man doesn't receive the witness. And Isaiah chapter 65 Verse number 2, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that is not good after their own thoughts. A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick. So God's revealing. And yet man will not hear nor receive the mystery of the Word of God. Man will not receive the testimony of the Holy Ghost and of the Word of God. Man believes and holds fast to every other thing in our world, but will not receive the truth of the Gospel that they'll be saved. Is that God's fault? God said in Isaiah, I've spread my hands out all day. I've called and I've desired, and I've dealt, and I've spoken, and I've moved, and I've stirred, and mankind has it revealed to his heart. But man's the one that has refused. In Second Corinthians, chapter number 4, we can see why this is. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. But if our gospel be hid, that means it's covered up, it's hid to them that are lost. So this ties in with what Jesus said previously to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of God except you be born again. Well, this speaks along the same lines. It's another way of saying the exact same thing. Paul says our gospel's hid. It's hid to them that are lost, them that are undone. They're unable to see the true message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now why is that? In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So the devil has got mankind's eyes and their minds blinded to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got their hearts darkened to the gospel, and so when they receive the gospel, they disbelieve it. And they believe in their instructors. They believe in their masters. They believe what so-and-so said. They believe what they think. Rather than believe the gospel, move to Christ and be saved. They believe that they're alright before that they'll ever believe that they're lost. What's the answer to that? Because Satan's got their minds blinded. So then how can man, that is blinded by Satan, and the Bible says, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them, how can a man that is blinded by Satan ever be able to see his condition and understand the gospel? I think that's a very fair question. And so the the whosoever will and the free will and free moral agent crowd, has they, they're going to have a difficult time answering that. I mean, God says that people disbelieve, the gospel's hid to them, and it's hid because Satan has blinded their eyes. They can't overcome Satan. That's why Jesus said in Matthew, as we read just a minute ago, that the Father is no man knoweth the Father but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. There's going to have to be a revelation of God. The strong man of the devil is going to have to be cast out by the stronger man, Jesus, before there's before man is ever able to see his need in the kingdom of God. One more place in Acts, chapter 13, verse number 48. Now Paul and Barnabas are preaching. And everybody here, they hear the same message. They hear the same preaching. And there's some that believe, and there's some that don't believe. There's some that can see, and there's some that's blind. How is it that those that believed overcame Satan? who had their minds blinded. Well here, Acts 13 verse 48, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Those that are able to see are those that God causes to see. Those that believed, believed because they were ordained. That's what the Bible says. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So, could you not take those words and conclude out of that that they believed because they were ordained? I don't think that's... That's not a stretch at all. That's exactly what he's saying. And so, man's able to see because God gives him sight. Man's able to understand... Because God opens his heart and except God casts that devil out, there's no way possible that man will ever see the truth. So see, we're establishing some things before we ever get down to the 16th verse of this chapter. We speak and testify what we've seen and you receive not our witness. Now if you put yourself back in this day Here's a man that's healed the blind he's cured the sick the the lame have walked the deaf have heard the dumb are speaking lepers have been cleansed all of these mighty works have been done by the hands of this man evidence of who he was those indications as nicodemus said and still yet he's not believed in how can how in the world can that be that a man can resurrect another man, and they still don't believe. There's no logical explanation to that other than Satan has blinded their minds to the truth of the Word of God. In verse number 12, If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So again, the division made between the earthly and the natural And the heavenly, the spiritual. So, here's the question. I've told you of earthly things. And he did. He gave him a picture of the wind. And he said, look, you see the way the wind operates? It blows where it desires and chooses. You've got no control over that. And you're unable to see the wind, but you can see the wind as it affects other things. You know the wind's blowing... Not because you can see it, but because you can see that it's had an effect on it. And so that's the way the Spirit of God works, and that's the way people are born of the Spirit. You're unable to see the Spirit come into the church. You can't see the Spirit resting on somebody's heart. You can't see the Spirit speaking unto them. You can't see the Spirit moving and drawing them to the altar. But you know what you can see? You can see the effect that the Spirit has had on that individual life. You can see the conviction of God in their face. I believe that. He said to Cain, Cain, why is your countenance fallen? The countenance of people very often tells that the Spirit of God is acting on their life and that they are under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. When they come to the altar broken hearted, you can tell that the Spirit of God has been acting on them. And when they get up a new creature, you can tell in their life that the Holy Ghost has had an effect on them. And so, Jesus says if you don't believe the natural things, How can you believe when I speak to heavenly? So in Isaiah 28, verse 9 and 10, I better turn and read that instead of trying to quote it. Isaiah 28, 9 and 10, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little and there a little for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people so how and how is god teaching people of the word of god well it's it's line upon line precept upon precept and the picture he's given here is of children Who are you going to teach knowledge? Are you going to take that six-month-old or that 12-month-old child and take them to school and begin to teach them knowledge? No. No, they're going to have to be drawn from the breast and weaned from the milk. They're going to have to be able to have a capacity... To understand and retain what's being said. And, and now when you take those, once they're weaned from the breast, and they get up to four, five, six years old, and they start kindergarten, they don't start them out in calculus, or algebra, or geometry. They don't start them out in, in, in uh, uh, world history, and they don't start them out in English 101 on a high school level. No, they begin by counting. Recognizing numbers. They begin by saying the alphabet and learning the sounds. And you take that foundation. Then you build on that. You begin to add and subtract those numbers. You begin to take those sounds and piece words together. And for them to learn to read... It's line upon line, precept upon precept. Well, how do we understand the Word of God? It's going to be the same way. We're going to have to have a capacity to understand. That comes by the revelation of the Spirit of God. And you know, we don't get into the deep things of God immediately. But I say the very first thing that I've got to understand is that I am a sinner in need of the work of God. And now being a sinner... Some may disagree, but I believe we can see it. That's an earthly thing. Jesus says to Nicodemus, If I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you not of heavenly things? So, the sins that I commit in my flesh, that is a worldly and an earthly thing. The commandment. Thou shalt not lie. That is an earthly commandment. He's telling me not to lie. Well, if I lie, I've lied in the flesh, I've broken that commandment. And God says, through the gospel, you've broken my commandment, you're guilty before God. And you know, as the law is preached, and the Bible says in Romans, Romans chapter number 3, as the law and the gospel is preached, the very first thing a man's going to have to believe is the earthly thing. That I am indeed a sinner and a breaker of the law of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 9, What then? Are we better than they? No and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin down in verse 19 now we know what things soever the law saith it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before god so the law is preached it's Taught and we gain an understanding of the law and you know it don't take a great spiritual mind for me to, to come to an understanding of what the law of God says and realize that I broke it realize that I'm a sinner that's the purpose of the law that God provided us it's to show me that I am a sinner and that's an earthly thing But you know, if I never believe that I'm a sinner, how can I receive Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Why would I need a Savior if I never come to the understanding that I'm a sinner in need? There's no way. It must be line upon line. And we must receive the earthly and believe that before we can receive the heavenly. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know what was wrong? They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't understand and they didn't believe the natural and the earthly. They didn't believe that they were sinners. And so they didn't need a Savior to save their soul. And it led them to reject and to crucify the Son of God who came for their salvation and redemption. And I tell you today, If I'm all right in my eyes, and I do not believe the earthly, that I am a lawbreaker and a sinner, I'll never seek after Christ for salvation of the soul. In First Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen, without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world and received up in the glory. The mystery of how man can be godly is great. And the reason is because the mind of man is blinded. But you want to know where man is going to have to start. He's going to have to start by recognizing he's broken the law of God. And that's not a great... Uh, undertaking but if I'd be willing to consider I believe we could all see just the one commandment thou shalt not lie we're guilty we're lawbreakers. but if I never believe that I'm guilty I'll never seek after a savior so the next verse if I've told you of earthly things and you believe not how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things and no man hath ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So, you don't know who God is. Do you? You ever met Him? No man has ever ascended to God. No man went up to heaven and had a talk with God. Not even Moses, who spoke with God face to face, but that was because God came down and spoke to him. Now, if God hadn't come down, would Moses have ever spoke to God? He would not have. So, no man has ever ascended to where God was and introduced himself and got to know who God was. Only one. And that's Jesus. And He came down from heaven to reveal God unto man who could not reach to where God was. So, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, Chapter number 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And now this this scripture is quoted in Romans chapter 10 as well and less so in other places. But in Deuteronomy 30 and verse number 11, For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. So it's not something that's afar off. It's not something that we're even able to ascend unto heaven and go up and receive it from God. In Proverbs chapter number 30 and verse 4, Who hath ascended up to heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? Thou canst tell. So who's ascended or who's come down out of heaven? i have not i don't of my authority have any right to say well i know god will accept this outside of what god's revealed in his word there is no private interpretation of god you don't have a special relationship with god that nobody else has we've we've never ascended and no one's descended outside of the Son of God. There's no other prophet, there's no other priest, there's no other king. There's no other leader. There's no other guide that can reveal God the way that Jesus Christ has revealed God. He is the revelation of God unto a world that could not come to the Lord. Peter's very express in his statement of it. In second Peter Chapter number 1, verse number 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. That word private, it means one's own or pertaining to self. And interpretation means explanation or application. None of the Scripture is for me to take and apply it the way I decide or the way I think that it ought to be applied. There is no private interpretation of the Scripture. This verse doesn't mean one thing for me and another thing for you and something else for the Jew and something else for the Gentile. It's not like that. The The Scripture is of no private interpretation because the prophecy came not by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost must reveal who God is. Nobody has any authority of their thoughts, of their opinions, of their thinking to come out and tell me what God is like except what God's revealed to man by the Spirit. And that's what we have in the Word. That's what the Word of God is written by holy men as they were moved by the Spirit and the very account of Jesus' life here. That's what we know about God. All of this, well, God said this, that, and the other. If it does not agree with the Word of God, it is not a revelation. There is no private interpretation. Now that would knock a lot of false religion in the head today to settle on that fact that Jesus is the only one that has the authority to reveal who God is. Man's got no authority because he does not know God outside of what's revealed. And so in Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse number 23, Ephesians 5 and 23. The Bible says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So Christ, placed at the head, gets all of the preeminence. Now, if I have a private interpretation or a private application of the Scripture, a private revelation of God, then I'm going to get some glory for that. But see, the only people that have any true knowledge of God or of the Lord Jesus Christ, they've gotten it because it's been revealed to them. Not because they were smart, not because they were better, but by revelation by revelation alone, and such being, only God gets glory, for that that's said, and that that's revealed, and that that's spoken. So, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. I want you to notice that now. How can the Son of Man, be standing here, talking to Nicodemus, and yet, Part of Him is in heaven. He says, The Son of Man which is in heaven. Well, whether it's received or not, I, I believe you could think on this and see. He says when we were saved, that we were hid away with Christ in God. That inward man, though we live, move, and have our being in this world, That inward man is hid away with Christ and God in heavenly places, in the heavens with the Lord. So I think we'll stop there for this time. Um, We're certainly thankful for the revelation that God did give us that we could know Him, that we could know His Son, that we could understand who He is, and that we could see His salvation. Next time, we'll look, begin at verse 14 and look at the serpent in the wilderness that Moses raised up. Hope you all have a blessed week and Lord willing, we'll uh, record again soon. Pray for us.